welcome to Proud to Be, the show that highlights veterans, military personnel, and family members published in Proud to Be, Writing by American Warriors, a creative writing anthology that preserves and shares our nation's military experience through poetry, fiction, essay, interviews, and photography. I'm your host, Lisa Carrico, and our guest for this episode is Valerie Young, a veteran of the United States Armed Forces, she served approximately 10 years with the deployment to Iraq and Hurricane Katrina. Valerie is a loving mother of two, an aspiring writer and servant leader in her community. She is passionate about her personal growth and loves to express herself through poetry. Valerie has been published in seven of the nine volumes and today we will hear some of her thoughts and stories behind a few of her PTB contributions. Valerie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, let's just jump right in, Valerie. How did you find yourself joining the United States Armed Forces? I joined the military because I knew it was something to do. I'm the type of person who likes to climb the ladder in life. And once I accomplish it, I try to move on to the next. I try to focus on the experience of that, that, that uh, particular uh, venue in life. And then I just keep climbing the ladder, just keep getting better as time progresses. Very nice. Um, well, you have had deployment to both Iraq and Hurricane Katrina. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about each deployment, um, any similarities to similarities, any takeaways from serving during a time of war versus the aftermath of a natural disaster. Yes, uh, let me speak first on the Hurricane Katrina. That was an eye-opener for me. And by that being stateside, it was definitely new experiences. Of course, the similarities between Katrina and overseas is the fact that you meet different people, different culture backgrounds, diversity backgrounds, and what have you. In regards to the stateside deployment to Katrina, it was more horrific things you probably would have seen overseas. You know, the things we encountered, the, the disarray of the properties, the, I love how everyone came together from law enforcement to different military branches background, but that was personally the first national natural disaster that I had to experience because after Katrina, we were caught in the immediate next hurricane, but most people don't talk about that hurricane. So I definitely know what it feels like to be um, involved in a natural disaster. Actually, that's, I wouldn't say that's where most of my mental health or issues stem from, but it definitely was a beginning point. Regarding Iraq, that was very traumatic. Um, a lot took place. We were in a place in Iraq where we got mortar constantly. So our life expectancy was very low meaning anything could happen at any given time. But as soldiers, we had each other. We had different outlets to kind of help us cope with whatever things we may be dealing with. But it was it was very traumatic, but it was a humbling experience for me. Uh, I can't imagine witnessing war and also uh, <laughs> uh, something so huge as, uh, what, Category 5? Am I remembering that correct? So. Yeah. Category five hurricane. Um, so it's impressive. Um, so with that, um, when did you start writing and what inspired you to write about your military experience? And how did you find yourself writing about this experience in the form of poetry? So I've always been a writer. Um, I've been writing uh, since I was a little girl. I just, I would say, didn't have the structure. I didn't have everything together, but I knew I wanted to write. Writing is a form of expression, so that wasn't a problem. And besides, we were in school, so we were supposed to write. Um, as time progressed, I started getting more structure in my writing. I joined the military, and I don't think I wrote 
before the mental health and issues happened, I don't think I ever wrote about my military career. I think the most I did in the military was have a diary of my day to day, but it wasn't in poetry form. But if I think back during basic training, I used to write poetry for soldiers and I used to sell my poems because they used to be like, hey, uh, can you write something for me for whatever? And, and I wrote in that context, but I wouldn't say it was serious, but after I came home, after I started having certain issues, I started using my poetry as a form of therapeutic purposes. So um, that's when I started focusing on the military aspect of the writing. Yeah. So um, did you then just start writing the poetry? Did anybody um, suggest that maybe you try poetry when you returned back from service? Um, just curious about how you found that, that that helped, that that was a release for you. No, it, it wasn't um, an a encouragement thing. It was just me being expressive. No one say, you know, you should write, you know, for this situation is just something I just graduated into, just a common flow. Okay. So just a natural finding. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so your first publication with Proud to Be appeared in volume three, but if I'm remembering correctly, you submitted to an earlier volume. Would you be open to sharing about this experience and how you learned about Proud to Be and what about the anthology inspires you to keep submitting? So I learned about Proud to Be when I was uh, at the VA. I, I cannot recall if it was Johnny Cochran or Jefferson Barracks, but I, I currently am with them for mental health concerns and just rehabilitation and so forth. And I'm just addressing what's going on with me at those at, at those organizational viewpoint. But um, I think every year the VA always have a craft show. And that's how I got into it. I was in their writing group. And then she told me about submitting with their craft show. And I submitted with them first because it was local. And then I heard about Proud to Be. So that's when I got introduced to PTB. I did submit to Proud to Be. I believe at the time it was under Susan. And I submitted something and I, my piece was not selected. I was very, very heartbroken and upset. So I got so upset, I wrote an article <laughs> about rejection. <laughs> and I wrote that back in 2013. And I just want to give a quick snippet and just to let people know about rejection. So I said uh, rejection to some may seem like a negative con connotation, but when one really steps back and look at it, rejection is the driving force to something positive. And, and then it goes on. So with that being said, SEMO, uh, um, they, <laughs> they looked at it and they said, oh, that's a different perspective. So that got published before my first work in Proud to Be. And uh, it made me look at things different from the theme and how, how the works are judged and so forth. So that, that was my first breaking point or breakthrough when it comes to Proud to Be. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I know that Susan wanted to help you get to that next volume. So yes, yes. just for uh, background information, again, that Proud to Be is uh, a competition in the different categories. Um, there's judges for each. Um, there is a process for getting the pieces in. So uh, that's uh, definitely a will affect one's entry into uh, into the volume. So, um, well, you've made you made it in, and you are still <laughs> it in. So, uh, what about the anthology inspires you to keep submitting? So, if I if I go back a little bit, I want to just make this comment. So, with the proud to be, uh, I want to say shout out to all the participants, all the veterans, because it's not easy to. Uh, submit in each category. I believe it's photography, short story, essay, and poetry. It's not easy to do that. So for everyone to just openly submit like that, it's, it's a very showmanship type of uh, ordeal. So, um, but to answer your question, going, going fast forward, it, what prompted me to continue on is the fact that I know I can do it. Once you get rejected, <laughs> 
you want to prove that you can do it and you want people to get out there and see what experiences that you're writing about. The point of everyone writing, I like to believe, and I don't want to misquote anyone, is when we put something in that proud to be, we are hoping and praying that someone understands what we're going through, through our eyes, through our lens, through our words. So with that being said, once I finally got in, I knew I can educate, enlighten, and share my experiences. The good thing about being in a veteran spectrum is no one's judging us. We can write and express ourselves freely. So that is what motivated me to continue on with Proud to Be. That's amazing, Valerie. Um, so with that said, what words of wisdom do you have for other veterans, military personnel, family members who may want to write but don't know where to start or may want to publish um, but may feel intimidated to submit? like to start off with a journal or a diary. I think that's very personable. I think there's no boundaries when it comes to that. I say start there. And as time progresses, you'll have you'll start shaping things and getting your footing and you'll start having topics because personally speaking, everyone is a writer. It's just we have to find some structure in how we write. But I, I encourage people to don't give up, continue to go, just move forward, onward, onward, onward. That's very important to me. Yeah, writing's definitely an evolution, right? It yes, ma'am practice. It takes critique. It takes time. Um, thank you for those encouraging words to anybody that Welcome. may want to, uh, to voyage down that writing path. Um, well, let's go ahead and have you read your poem featured in volume three, uh, your first publication with us, To My Fellow Vets. <clears throat> to My Fellow Vets. To My Fellow Vets. It's time for us to elevate, time to let go of our triggers, remove tendency to self-medicate. Excelling, tired of crying seems that's all I tend to do. I feel like I'm losing my mind, not sure what is true. Constant thoughts running through my mind. How do I make it stop? I just feel like rain constantly pouring, eventually it drops. Angry outbursts at people because they don't understand my pain. My past military spirit experience runs often through my brain. Who can I trust? Enemies all around me. Who is for real? It's like I'm dying many deaths. Now that's the real deal. Going to doctors in hopes that there is a cure for PTSD. But only my fellow vets grasp my thoughts and really see. TBIs, that's traumatic brain injuries, shell shocked. I'm panicking all the time. Maybe I need to go scream, go somewhere just to unwind. Constantly in isolation, avoidance of crowds that's suitable for me. It seems that is a normal solution, but what is normal for me? We are trained for discipline or one shot, one kill, not realizing what they turned on or what they instilled. Scared to go to sleep because nightmares are always there. I am frequently trying to avoid sleep, but can't go nowhere. I have to catch myself because I am unpredictable. Not knowing if my mood would change, I'm feeling unstable. It's like people want us to fail. So many bets. No one understands my plea, my cries, but my fellow vets. Thank you. Thank you so much, Valerie. That piece is so raw and so personal. Uh, would you mind telling our listeners why you wrote this poem and maybe who the intended audience is? I feel that it's a plea to fellow veterans, but also those around who did not serve and maybe even a plea to yourself. Yeah, actually, that's the only poem I submitted in my medical file, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I did that uh, submitted it in my VA medical file because uh, I feel that there's so much stigmas around veterans with PTSD. So um, I wanted my uh, mandated reporters, my psychologists, my psych doctors, everyone to understand what we're going through. And I wanted them to feel that through my words. The target audience, yes, is obviously for the veterans. It's for those secondary, post-secondary 
you know, uh, spouses, uh, anyone affected by that veteran and what they're going through, um, they have a say into it. You know why? Because after the war and we, when we come home, that person has to live with that veteran. Um, believe it or not, a lot, when a lot of divorces come out of mental illness because the civilians don't understand what we're going through, the pain, the, the triggers, the nightmares, the drinking, the, I try to mash all that in that poem. Um, it's actually the first, you know, I get teary-eyed when I read that poem because uh, it's almost like church, you know, to my fellow veterans. Us veterans can get together and come to a sanctuary where, where we understand. That's why I like a lot of group therapy because there's no judgment. So we come together. I talk about mental illness. I talk about self-medication. I talk about these thoughts. I talk about the nightmares. Everyone is my target audience because whether you're in uniform or without, I know you experience some of that. It's about trauma. So that's why I wrote that piece. Yeah, it's so powerful. And, you know, we we do hope with the publication of Proud to Be that it lends itself as a, a support group in a way for fellow veterans to be able to read one's pieces and know that um, one can relate to that, but also by publishing family members and encouraging civilians to read these stories. Uh, we really hope that we're connecting um, you know, those that didn't serve with that military experience and especially the aftermath of serving. So um, we really hope that it can lend a hand to, to helping um, those who support veterans better understand. So yeah. your pieces definitely add to that mission. So thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> Um, well, we have met in person on several occasions. Uh, you have read at several of our PTB readings here in St. Louis. And yes. co <laughs> coincidentally enough, we are recording this episode on the anniversary of our 2015 PTB4 reading that took place in St. Louis Public Library. Yay! Um, <laughs> something that I've always admired about you is your honesty and openness uh, your willingness to bring light to the sacrifices and challenges of being a veteran, uh, to bring awareness to such subjects as mental health, PTSD, and addiction. Uh, I thought you could read your poem uh, from PTB5, A Soldier's Bottle, and discuss the story behind that piece. And I remember when I... Um performed at a book club and I was invited by I really forgot this man's name so I don't want to say a wrong name but um civilians were sitting in the audience and then they they came to me afterwards and they was like oh my god it was so beautiful and you know just gave me a lot of compliments and I definitely appreciate that yeah that um, was um, our intern David and he put together that reading and um, I believe it was Maplewood and it was just such a quaint and lovely yeah. little reading at a local bookstore. And I know that that experience for him, um, he was uh, in his college courses working with a professor doing workshops with veterans. So I know that that uh, experience was really powerful for him too. Please give him my best. <laughs> I, will, I will. We still connect once in a while. I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> a soldier's bottle. How do I escape this temptation when addiction such as drinking is involved? I self-medicate, try to hide my stress or hurtful situations as if drinking will be resolved. Do I have the power of choice to overcome the constant drugs or the drinking? I just sit back and battle with self as if it eludes me to constantly thinking. What brought me to this place where I see my addiction as the outcome? Questions run through my mind. These habits is doing what it must, and I am being outdone. Outdone by these habits, I wonder who I am, for I have no control over this substance abuse. Sometimes I wonder where my strength is and question my sanity, or is there any use? I know there are programs to help, which there are for me to discover. It's up to me to use AA or smart therapy for a chance to recover. I was told that young shark eats everything while older sharks eat what they want, which means be careful about the choices you make or those choices will constantly haunt. 
I must slay this beast or my life will be complicated or negative vibrations will continue to overpower me. Grasping control over this situation is crucial, recognizing the effects of these habits in order to be free. I must first admit that I have an addiction so I can change and face my negative behavior full throttle. This is my testimony of my obsession. It is a story. It is from a soldier's bottle. Thank you. Thank you. So um, would you mind talking a little bit about this piece and um, why you wrote it and the story behind it? Yes, uh, I'm going to try to condense this story. <laughs> so uh, after I got back from, um, I don't remember whether it was Katrina or Iraq, but I'm pretty sure it was prior to Katrina, or I don't know. But after I got back from some tour, uh, I noticed that it was a problem with me. I knew that my drinking has increased. I knew that I was very numb to certain things. I talked to the VA about it, which is the Veteran Administration. And I, um, I spent some time as an outpatient through um, their treatment substance use program. This program is a wonderful program and you are in there, it's inpatient or outpatient, but you are in there with people of different types of addiction, whether it's chocolate, whether it's drugs, I mean, cocaine, heroin, sex, whatever. It is, you're just there with a, addicts, and that's okay. Actually, um, if I wasn't in that environment, I wouldn't understand people more. I know most people like, well, <laughs> you know, but um, it was very tearful. It was very difficult. It was very informative. I wrote this poem because of my testimony. After this poem was written, we had a funeral, literally, <laughs> at Jefferson Barracks. And the funeral was a casket. No one was in it. <laughs> it was just, we were burying addictions. We were, we were burying whatever addiction that one may have encountered. So, um, we had the whole shebang, we had the casket, we had the flag, we had the weapons, we had, we, 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 I gave a eulogy, you know, and I, and I did this poem and it was an honor to do that. I, I know obviously people were like, well, who's dying, you know, and um, we don't, we don't go back to that anymore. You don't have to necessarily put a body in the casket. You could put any negative connotation in there, addiction, hurt, pain, trauma, and that's what we buried on that day. So this, this poem is very near and dear to me. I did complete the program. And after I completed the program, I went to like, um, uh, it's like an aftercare type of thing where we uh, just go meet up on Saturdays and we just talk and we talk about recovery, overcoming any information we can pass along to any veteran. And it was just a wonderful experience. And I still talk to those veterans today. So that's where that poem came from. Yeah, um, you know, it's for someone that has seen you perform these, have read them in the book um, and not always knowing like the really intimate stories behind it. Um, you know, this is a really, such a powerful metaphor, a part of the, the recovery process that you went through with bearing those weights, right? Those addictions, that pain. Um, so, you know, congratulations on all that you have done for yourself and your recovery. Um, you know, and thank you also for putting these thoughts on paper and for openly writing and talking about personal growth and development and mental health awareness. Um, so I think that this is a nice segue into another one of your poems, Suffer in Silence, which is published in the newly released issue of PTB10, which just came out uh, on Veterans Day of this year. It came out on Veterans Day. <laughs> it did. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and, and that's why I write. I write so people can feel where I'm coming from, where they can just dive into that reading and be like, oh, my gosh, she's talking about me. And I know I don't mean in a negative way, but like I felt that it's a beautiful feeling when you have people come to you and say, I felt what you were saying or I'm going through that. 
I remember I performed my fellow veterans at a um, a social gathering and um, someone came to me privately and expressed themselves accordingly. So I thought that was really good. Suffer in silence. <clears throat> so many people dealing with the fight within, mental illness on the rise, suicidal ideology. I don't know where to begin. Isolation from the world, feeling so alone, even in a room full of people. Society needs to understand I'm not a glass, so I'm hard to see through. When my thoughts run rampant or I'm feeling at my worst, military life stressors, it's like my weapon went from automatic to burst. Variables assisting my thoughts to a plan of suicide, alcohol, drugs, peer pressure, stress in everyday life, I want to run and hide. Suicide, a temporary problem to a permanent solution. Contemplating, is there a reliable resolution? Suffering is worse than dying. The pain is relived and surreal. Not even the normal veteran could possibly deal. It's important to reach out to a support system. There we will find balance. Remember, you are not alone, so you don't have to suffer in silence. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, that last verse, remember you are not alone, so you don't have to suffer in silence. Uh, I think that, um, you know, it's an important reminder to not only veterans, but anyone suffering from mental illness. Uh, could you talk about why you wrote this piece and why you feel it's important to weave difficult subjects like addiction and mental illness into your poetry? Yeah, in everything I write, I want to make sure that I educate. That's extremely, extremely important to me. If not, you don't want people coming up to you saying, what was that about again? <laughs> like, what was the highlight? <laughs> you know, I want people to have a, a strong takeaway and I want people to not only listen, but hear what I'm saying. You always want a person to have an understanding of your work. I mean, at least if you want to be a poet or a writer, however. This poem, I want to dedicate, and I should have said that when I wrote the poem, um, I had a comrade named Jameson Perry, and uh, I believe he was suffering for so many reasons. I, I don't know the, the, the depths of the suffering, but my point is, um, I believe drinking was involved, which led to his suicide, long story short. And I served with this comrade, and it really hurts when you can't help anyone. It really hurts when they do a cry for help, but someone think they're joking or playing or, and I'm not saying that was his case, but I do remember before he committed the suicide. And I think I saw it afterwards, but I do remember him making a post saying, I need help or I'm not okay or however that goes. So every time I see that, I privately inbox someone or I'll try to reach out to them or I'll do something because we don't know how they're feeling. Even if it is a joke, I, I rather, I rather just go out and say, Hey, are you okay? What can I do? Because the tiniest words can really help somebody. It can really turn their night into day. So, um, he did commit suicide. Um, well, you know, with suicides, there's no after, you know, there's no, um, there's no questions that can be answered. Why, 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 you know, whatever, you know, but when people tell me that they're suicidal, I'm very empathetic and I want to talk to them. I want to be there for them. I want to support them because it's really serious. We have so much help out here. And if we feel that that help is not good enough, let's try another alternative before the ending one, because the truth matters. We're going to die anyway. What I don't want is for anyone shortening their time on earth. That, that's my issue. So for anyone who may be suffering, you know, please reach out to your support systems. Hell, I will, <laughs> I will inbox you. I will call you because I've been there. It's common for people to have these thoughts. It really is. So, you know, but when you act on it, when you have a plan, we're going too far. We have to think about what we're doing. So that's why I wrote that piece. Yeah, um, that's such, suicide among veterans is such a national crisis. Um, yes. And, 
you know, there's, there's resources, but maybe not everybody feels that they have access to those resources. So, um, you know, it's powerful to remind folks that there are support systems. Um, would you talk a little more about what that looks like for you and what advice you would have for others looking for their support system? It sounds like you're acting as a support system for others, but what does that look like for you and what advice do you want to give to your fellow veterans? Yeah, uh, support system, what it looks like to me is, you know, calling the, the veteran hotline. Uh, it's a 1-800 number. Uh, the support system looks like to me is gathering with my, I'm in veteran groups on Facebook. It's a lot of veterans groups um, listed on Facebook. I think that's a good support system. Just communicating with people in your community is a good support system. You can take the religious aspect, you know, a church home. That's a good support system. Get involved in some sort of activity because I think most people need meaning to their life. And if they're occupied or busy or that maybe that could be a good distraction. But I, I really love my support system, what support system I do have. So it's the VA, it's the groups. It's the reaching out to people, even if they don't understand it, but I do need someone to listen. But I tell you that VA uh, crisis line, you know, even if they don't know what we're going through, the fact that they're there to listen is very powerful and they will send you to the hospital the next day. Hi, we're just calling. Uh, you have an appointment scheduled for the next day. So they're really big on that. And I, I really do appreciate that. But poetry is my, my main outlet. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And when we post this um, episode, we can include that hotline support number yes. for folks to have. So in the time that I have known you, um, you have been an active servant leader in your community. For instance, in 2016, you were presented with a National Parent of the Year Award at the annual Head Start Conference for being a Head Start Advocate and Parent Ambassador. Could you talk about being a servant leader, um, maybe what some of those activities are and what draws you to service? Yes, uh, parent of the year, I'll never forget that. Oh, that's such an honor to tell a parent that they're the parent of the year, first of all. <laughs> Considering I'm a single parent, that, that was just, um, oh my Lord, it was just an honor. And I love Head Start. I, I started with Head Start, I really forgot when, but. Uh, I think I came from Iraq at the time, and I had my children, single parent. I, I did not come into my mental illness, meaning I did not acknowledge it as much. So I, I still had anger and mood issues going on. And we had um, a visitor come to the home. Her name is Sandy Beaver, and she worked with me. She helped me. She educated me. And it wasn't more just about the children, but it was about me as a whole. So she helped the household out and I will always love her for that. And everything I do hair store, I contribute to her. She, um, she passed from cancer um, a, a while back. And um, if anyone need me to do anything with hair store, I would do it in her honor. I would do it in her honor because she pours so much into me and my family, education, just, just, oh my Lord, I, I can speak on this woman for a long time. Mm -hmm. So everything I do with Hairstore, it is always an honor for her because she didn't have to do that. So um, Sandy, you in heaven, this is for you. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, uh, in regards to my community service, I am an alum for Mission Continues. What that is about is, uh, soldiers, we have on one uniform, we take that out and do, we put on another uniform of the community. We go around stateside or anywhere, just rehabbing, building, and just providing service to the community. Uh, I mean, we've been just about everywhere and I'm always constantly involved with them as well. Also, I volunteer for hospice. I've been doing that since November 2016, I think. Um, hospice is not necessary uh, for everyone. Um, you don't necessarily uh, focus on death with hospice. I definitely want to add that for, for a moment there because you can do anything in hospice. You can do administrative, you can do clerical, you can do crafts, you can do, be on the bereavement team, you can work with veterans. It's a really good selfish act to do. Uh, it's funny because when I was 15, 
I used to go to nursing homes and sit with my elderly people. So who knew I was going to do hospice um, as time progressed? But that is something I will always want to do, um, give my time uh, in hospice. I'm trying to figure out what else I do. Um, but But just using our time wisely. Time is the best gift you can give anyone. It's people out there who don't have a support system and you could just take your time out just to read a book with them, fellowship with them, sing with them, just be there. And I think that's what most people are looking for these days in life. Yeah. Valerie, you have a heart of gold and I admire the <laughs> that you have uh, towards service. It's definitely uh, an inspiration. So keep up the hard work there. And it sounds like it's work you love. So we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is without a doubt, um, you know, that you love to do the service work, that you love to express yourself through poetry, not only on paper, but on the stage. Uh, you've presented your poetry with our PTV readings, but you also participate in open mic uh, night events, such as a recent one called Twisted Poets Haiku Wordplay. Uh, poetry on paper versus poetry on stage. Do you feel, do you feel they're different? Do you gain something different from the act of writing versus the act of performing? So Twisted Poets Wordplay Haiku, I've co-hosted that with the host uh, for approximately five years. I don't give accurate dates. That's why I say approximately. <laughs> All good. Uh, and, and, and I, we chose haiku because haiku is one of those type of poetries where you learned it at school for like 20 minutes and then you went to the next page. Haikus is harder to write than um, your average stanza line poetry. So on paper, to me, it's more private. No one's telling you anything. There's no boundaries. You're just flat out expressing yourself. On stage, before you get on that stage, you should scan your audience. And I say that because every poem is not for every audience. And I'm saying that because you, the, the mind level of the people, the, the if they have a lot of variables like alcoholism in them, like, you know, you don't, you don't say a Gordon poem to, you know, a, a raunchy bunch of crowd. You want to kind of pick your pieces wisely. That is very, very important. Stage presence is important. Communication is important. Eye contact is important. Tonality is important. All this is very important. And this is when you on the stage. Um, but with behind the scenes with the paper, you could just write, like I could write a poem in 10 minutes tops. Like I could just find something and just write it because it's in me and I just want to get it out. And then we could worry about the other con contradictions later when it comes to me critiquing and adding or taking away and so forth. But whatever you write is probably what you meant to write in the first place. But I, I love haikus. All you're doing is condensing the poetry in uh, a syllable form of art. It started, it's, uh, it came from the Japanese art of writing and you write it in syllables. You could do 575, you could do um, 393. It's just a 15, um, 15 syllable stanza poem. So I, I really love haikus and all we try to do is get out there, educate and enlighten. Very nice. Um, actually our last podcast episode was with uh, Randy Brown, who also loves writing haikus. So if anybody wants a little more di deep dive into haikus, make sure to check out episode four. So um, will you have another live event coming up soon? Yes, we perform every fourth Friday of the month. I believe our next one will be December 20... Okay. I, I don't have a calendar, but it's probably either Christmas Eve, I believe it's Christmas Eve, and then in January, we'll have one on the 28th, and every January, we try to celebrate my birthday, my birthday is the 22nd, so on the 28th of January, um, we'll have another lineup, but on, in December, we try to, we're going to probably be themed, we don't normally be themed, but we probably will be, but our next uh, show will be the 24th of December. 
If someone wants to go to your uh, to this event, how can they find out more about it? And this takes place in Illinois, right? No, ma'am, actually, it takes place in St. Louis Legacy Bookstore is, uh, I believe it's 5247 Delmore, Fourth yeah. Fridays. Uh, Legacy Bookstores is very, very known to the poetry community. Uh, the owner is Mr. Nix. He does a wonderful thing. And it's not only for poetry. He does, he has a graduate, he has rooms rented out for graduation purposes, receptions, just book releases, book signings. So he, he's really good. He's been in the community for X amount of years. All right. Well, I might have to come out for the January one and help you celebrate your birthday. Yay. I'm turning the big 40. <laughs> All right. Welcome to your 40s. <laughs> um, so something I thought would be fun to share with our audience uh, is that recently your son took first place district winner for the VFW's Patriot Pens essay competition. Uh, I do believe you're waiting to see if he advances to state. Um, I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about what Patriot Pens um, essay competition is, how someone might be able to get involved and um, you know how does this make you feel as a writer to see your son writing uh, it's like riding a bike for the first time yay <laughs> so I am the senior vice commander of the VFW post 3480 we are located in East St. Louis Illinois every year they have uh, writing competitions where they um Everybody who participate will be honored, first of all. Uh, it's just about graduating to another level. So they have the uh, Voices of Democracy and they have the Patriots Pen. My son fit in the category of the Patriots Pen, I believe, due to his age and grade level. Um, and then with the Voices of Democracy, I believe that is in the high school level. Um, so he won't advance to that one. So... Um, he, he wrote how that competition goes is you write an essay, which is the kid write the essay. They do not get any help from the parents. Uh, the title was already selected and you have to meet a minimum of um, word count. You have to make sure you touch all the points, which is the theme, the, the, the clarity of the writing, the grammar, et cetera, et cetera. So he, you have to reach that. Um, so that happens every year. This year, he won on a district level, and that's just everyone around the, the um, metro area. The next stage, when he advanced, there's no if, when he advanced, uh, will be in the Springfield area, and that will be on a department level. And then the stage after that will be held in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I... It, out of 529 people, like, whoa. <laughs> and and all of them who came there that evening, I believe was, uh, I think 11 or 12 was selected. And then they got down to the third, second and first place. And, you know, I remember this like yesterday because I was going over there for my scoop of ice cream, chocolate with the drizzle. And they were like third place and I was just eating whatever. Second place, first place. Oh, spit the ice cream out. Oh my God you know and um I was just really proud to see that that's very motivating and not for me it's for him because it's like you can do it that's you didn't win out of two people you read you won out of 529 most people can't even do that so for him to be selected at this level is just wonderful we're honored any way we can get it yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to your son. And for for me personally, you know, we've been, it's like six years now that we've been um, getting together yeah. in a room to share veterans pieces. But with that, your kids have been at every event. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I you know, have this kind of little special connection with them. They also are the ones at the end of the event that um, I'm like, all right, load up on the cookies, take the snacks. Like, yes. so um, it's fun for me to be able to follow you on social media and get to see like your kids 
over six years, how much they've achieved and how much they've grown since the first time we met at our first PTB reading. So yeah, you, you've seen them grow life with me. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely seen them grow. And I'm, I'm grateful for you to be there to witness all this. It's a beautiful thing to see anyone to grow, whether uh, as the person, the human effect or in their writing you know, over time, you see that transformation and that's always powerful. And my children are my number one fans. I'll, hey, what do you think about this poem? You know, I, I get my critiques from them. You know, they're smart enough to dictate and I love construction criticism, but I love my children. Sultan and Virtuous, they're our sweetheart. That's great. And, you know, kids sometimes provide the most honest feedback uh, that one can receive. So those are good critics to have on your oh, side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, what are your literary hopes and dreams for the next five years? I would like to, I have a haiku book out with my haiku person, but I would like to um, publish my own book. I think my issue is finding the right publisher. Um, these are my words. And I'm very, very particular about my words. I don't want anyone to steal my work because they are mine. I put my heart and soul and my sweat and my tears and my words. So I would like to be guided to a good publisher, um, not a pricey one, <laughs> but a good one um, where I can get myself out there and express myself. And these things are important because it's a legacy that you are leaving behind. One of the most persons I admire is Maya Angelou. Like we still walk around the day saying her quote, still I rise, you know, uh, I, I know why the cage bird sings. It's a beautiful thing. And what that means to me is her memory will always, always live on. And that's what I want. I want to leave a legacy where my kids can reflect back or you can go back in the archives and be like, oh, that was my mom. She did this. She talked about us or whatever. So in regards to my literary, I want to keep writing. I want to keep writing. I don't want to give up. I want to keep expressing myself as long as I can and keep enlightening, educating and motivating. That's what I want to do. Well, I believe that you will, and I look forward to uh, purchasing this book when you have it published. So let me Yay. know if there's any way I can help with this process. So um, lastly, uh, before we conclude, um, what do you hope that others gain from reading your PTB contributions in military-related writings? I want them to be inspired. You know, I want them to be enlightened. I want them to just have a sense of purpose because like I said, we don't know what everyone is going through when they read anything. And I want my works, regardless of what publication of the PTB, I want them to look back and reflect like, oh my God, I know that feeling or I've been there or that's what I'm going through now. I wouldn't mind, reach out to me. I, I have no problem with just talking and sitting because the problem is people don't have a voice and we need to give them that voice. We need to let them express themselves accordingly. Believe it or not, I don't agree with what I've been through mental health wise, but it's, it's helped me with my current job. You know, I, I work with children's division. I'm an investigator and it allows, and I interact with families all the time with different personality traits, addiction matters, abuse and neglect, whatever. But I, I, it allows me to help people more. I can literally tell you, I help people every day. I can literally say that. And, and I won't have any remorse or no hesitation about it. Everything I went through is for a reason. I don't agree with it, but who are we to question? But the point is how you get through it. What, what support systems are you using? What help are you uh, taking from it? What, what, what is the AAR, which is the after action review? What happened? How can we get better? What can we do next time? Do you critique yourself? I just want people to take away me from whatever I write because I'm leaving a mark. I'm leaving a legacy. I wouldn't mind people saying, oh, I remember that line. I, I would love a good quote here and there. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're, you know, you've had this journey that hasn't been easy. It's been full of trauma and challenges, but you've really kind of taking that as a calling to redirect that to help others. And I think that's really powerful. Um, 
Valerie, I always have such a great time talking to you. Uh, thank you for all that you do, not only in supporting and promoting Proud to Be, but in being bold and advocating for mental health awareness through your poetry, um, through your actions, your community service. Um, while our next Proud to Be reading will take place virtually on January 22nd, I hope to see you back in person and on a live stage for PTB 11. It's taking place on my birthday. <laughs> Sorry, that's why you must be at the reading. So if you haven't signed up. Oh, yet. wow. I, I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. I really didn't. Is that a Saturday? That is a Saturday. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Okay, well, <laughs> well, tell me who I talk to. I guess I can take a few moments out to talk on my birthday. But no, um, Lisa, oh my God, just thank you for being the person you are. Thank you for giving veterans like us a platform to just communicate and express ourselves accordingly. And that's the thing, we as veterans, sometimes we feel like we don't have a platform. We wanna be loved as well. We wanna be helped as well, but we also wanna be heard, which is very, very important. And I just thank you for this. I thank everyone for the contribution with the proud to be. I thank all the veterans. I thank all the support systems of the veterans. I mean, you guys trust me. I'm pretty sure it was times where you wanted to just walk away from the veterans because it's too much. People really think post-secondary is not a, um, a mental illness. And it really is. I, I think you. I think you the, the experiences is worse for you guys to experience that and, and to uh, put up with us. So just thank you guys for the contribution always. Absolutely. It is our honor and we are so thankful that we have just published basically 10 years of veterans writing. So we're really thankful to Southeast Missouri State University's press for um, supporting this endeavor and for being the press that we work with to get these stories out. Yeah. We do find value in promoting and giving a platform to veterans voices. And now it's this great opportunity to have this podcast to dive deeper into these stories, into these experiences. So I know for me, it's a very eye-opening and enlightening, enlightening experience that has actually helped me connect to my father, who is a Vietnam veteran. And nice. you know, there was lots of years of misunderstandings there. So this has really also been a platform for me to help develop a relationship with my own father. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I definitely agree. Good job. And that's a good way to understand someone. If you don't understand what they've been through, just read the proud to be, or just sit in one day on a writer's, um, group or something you know but like I said there are groups out there for veterans and people who have those experiences so yeah well thank you so much Valerie if you would like to read Valerie's PTB pieces you can purchase proud to be volumes one through ten at mohumanities.org backslash veterans this podcast is brought to you by the Missouri Humanities Please help us share these stories by sharing episodes with friends, family, and on your social media platforms. If you are listening on an app, don't forget to follow us and leave a review. I am Lisa Carrico, and we hope you will tune in for future episodes of Proud to Be as we interview PTB contributors to discover the stories behind their PTB contributions.